Six years ago, my wife took nothing but an ideal and faith and turned it into a multi-million dollar business with multiple streams of income. As a woman possessed, she overcame all obstacles and created multiple streams of wealth that has impacted our family for generations to come. From mental health professional, to therapist, to author, to CEO, she is a constant reminder of the grace of God over her life. Get ready to listen to and take notes from Stanell, the money therapist, as she schools you on money, entrepreneurship, and life skills that was not taught. No more excuses. Wake up! Thank you for that introduction, husband. Welcome back to No More Excuses, Wake Up, where you'll learn about money, entrepreneurship, and life skills that was not taught. Today's topic, we're going to discuss entrepreneurship, defining who you are, self-employed or business owner, understanding the difference to master the concept. We're going to dig in deep today because there is a difference between being self-employed and a business owner. And what I want to do is I want to give you as much information on this topic as I can. So those of you that are starting a business can really try to get an understanding. I get a lot of people that I know personally or questions online that ask this topic. This is a popular topic, not the topic on itself as far as defining. It is basically how to get started. So I'm going to run you through what you need to get started as far as getting that business on the ground. So when I say understanding the difference to master the concept, I'm meaning when I say defining who you are, because you want to be able to define if you're self-employed or if you're a business owner. It is a difference. And once you understand what the difference is, you can be able to matriculate from being self-employed to being a business owner. You will learn the order to form a business entity and business bank account. So what what I need y'all to do is get those iPads out, your pens, your paper, so you can take notes. You're also going to learn how to define each entity using examples so you are clear and able to make the best decision for your business. You also going to learn the cautious entities that are risky for your business and the insurance that you will need for small businesses because small businesses uh, do need insurance. Not so much what type of insurance, but just giving you the understanding of the insurance for small businesses. So legal disclaimer, I am not a lawyer. I own several businesses and I... I'm a multi-business owner, so what you're going to learn from me is my experience. I am not going to give you advice because that is not what I do. Again, I am not a lawyer, but I will give you as far as what you will learn in this podcast. When you form a business, it requires filing documents. A lot of people don't like to file documents, but think about it. If you work for someone, you have to complete job applications, you have to do Paperwork, fingerprints, all that good stuff, right? This is just the same. So you're just filing documents. You want to file a document with your state and you want to form an entity that works for your business and protects your personal assets from the risk of running a business. Let's dive into it. You want to select your name. You will need to search the Secretary of State or Divisional Corporation website in the state where you would like to form your actual business entity. Choose the business entity you would like to form. When I say entity, I mean an LLC, a corporation, 
an S-Corp, a C-Corp, limited liability partnership, partnership, or sole priorship and nonprofit. Then you want to apply for EIN number. And this is a, a free online EIN number from, it's actually the irs.gov. And this EIN number is actually a social security number for your business. So it is separate from your personal social security number. It is a a social security number, I always call it, for your business. I can really dive deep into having business credit cards that is not associated with your actual personal. That is a complete different podcast. I will get into that maybe when we talk about entrepreneurship. You're going to open up a business bank account. You will need your EIN number and articles of organization. You are to keep this account separate from your personal business account. So this account has nothing to do from your personal account. So if you're going to open up a bakery, Stanell Bakery is separate from Stanell Myers. You're not going to have anything together. That personal account is completely personal. That business account is not going to be combined with your personal account. That's going to be its own account by itself, has its own login by itself. You cannot combine a personal account in a business account. Now, if you call yourself saying, this is my business account and it's in a personal account, that's not real because you can open up any personal account and name it whatever you want. But to have a true business account, you want to make sure that when you go to the bank, that you are actually bringing your EIN number and you're also bringing your articles of organization. That is how you will be able to open up a business account. You want to complete and file your forms frequently called the articles of organization and pay any required registration fee. Okay. You normally have to pay a fee depending on what state you are in. You can complete these steps with your secretary of state or divisional corporations. Their website will have the basic forms you need to file and create your business entity. And you also can register a new business from this site. You can reinstate your business entity, you can do a name search, and you can also close a business through your secretary of state. You may want to consult with an attorney or CPA, again, <laughs> just cover myself, so you can get clear understanding of which entity that works for your business because sometimes people do not know the difference. Now, self-employed. So you have your self-employed, your sole priorityship, partnership, independent contractor, and business owner. So these are the terms that we will focus on. Again, self-employed, sole priorityship, slash partnership, independent contractor, and business owner. Self-employed means you own a job and you are the sole prioritor working for yourself, such as a member of a business, a partnership, or independent contractor. So it's your job. You work for yourself. Depending on what it is that you do, you are self-employed. That is your business. You are working for you. Self-employed person is not an employee. So you're not an employee, and you don't work for an employer for wages or salary. You actually work for yourself. If you are working for an employer and on the side working on your own business, you're still employed and you're not self-employed. You understand what I'm saying? So if you're working for an employer, if you have a, you know, a job and on the side you're working on a business, but you're still 
employed, you're not self-employed. You're still employed, but on the side, you have your little side hustle going on, right? And that's exactly how I got started. So you have your side hustle that's going on, and you will become self-employed or a business owner once your side hustle revenue is the same or above your current job or at least nine months then you then you can quit so what i'm saying is that if you're working right now you have a nine to five but you're working on your own business so you can eventually quit right now you are still employed because in the eyes of the irs you filing as your your regular whatever your job is which are w-2 however if you have a side hustle and you're working on the side and you're working, you know, you come home and maybe you make cupcakes and you really are selling these, you have so many orders for these cupcakes and eventually you want to open up a bakery and you have so many orders. And so on the weekends, you really dedicate making the orders, delivering the orders. That's your side hustle. And once that revenue, once that money, you're still employed, but once that money and that revenue starts to increase, then you can say, all right, I have something going on here. And I say for at least nine months or so, and then you can go ahead and you can quit that job. As long as that income is the same or above your current job, you can be able to quit that job 24 hours on their side hustle, 24 hours. And the more that you put into it, that will be your main business. So self-employed, Noun, and that's just mean that you own your job and you are that sole priority. You are the one that is indeed working for yourself. So sole priorityship. A sole priority is a person working for him or herself without a legal entity, such as a corporation, a partnership, or limited liability company. With a sole priority, it is you have your advantages and you have your disadvantages. So what makes the sole priority so favorable is because it's easy to form with no requirements. So you really don't have any requirements. You, you register with your state. It's easy. It's very easy to run because you really don't have any regulations. And you as the owner, you're in complete control of the business, not having to answer to anyone. You as the owner get all the profits of the business. But of course, you must also take all the losses on the business as well. So it's really not anything that is separate. So there are advantages and disadvantages of sole priorship. According to business and law tax, a sole priorship, basically, it is the most common type of entity. It includes 23 million people. 73% of all business in the U.S. is a sole priorship. One of the biggest disadvantages of the sole priorityship is that your personal legal and financial situation and the business financial and legal situation are one of the same. It's the same. So that means that if your business going to bankruptcy, that would affect your personal finances because you, you have no, there is no, nothing that is basically a requirement as far as keeping you safe. If your business going to bankruptcy, it can affect your personal finances. It also means that any lawsuits against the business can affect you as an individual or your family. Any disadvantage of this business type, you must pay income taxes, self-employment taxes, social security, and you know, so if your business is profitable, that can be a big bill that you pay. You know, with being a sole priority, 
it is definitely its advantages and its disadvantages. What I said before, you don't need to register your business with your state, but you will need to take care of some other legal matters. So you need a business license with your state locality, and you need to apply to the state for sales tax purposes and get any specific license and permit, depending on the type of business that you have. They are the things that you would need. And again, when you are sole priority, it's basically you're working for yourself and you do not have a legal entity. So there is not a corporation, a partnership, a limited liability. It is just completely you're working for yourself and you do register with the state as well. Now, a partnership resembles a sole priority, but there is no legal entity or LLC. So it's separate from the individual, the partnership. So basically, each member is often considered a sole priority. They are responsible for all financials and are not considered employees for tax purposes. So partnerships, you definitely want to consult with an attorney. Any of this, you definitely want to consult with an, an attorney. Independent contractor offer services to another person or business, and is considered as a non-employee, such as a fitness instructor, a teacher, a chef, or a science instructor. An independent contractor can be registered as a type of business entity. Most are registered as a sole priority. Independent contractors do not perform services that be, can be controlled by an employer. Independent contractors control their own services, what will be done and how it will be done. I have independent contractors with my after school program and what I've learned before I knew exactly what to do as far as the right thing is that when you are indeed an independent contractor, you have your, you already have your business. So you already have, if it's an LLC, whatever it is. So if I have my business, let's say I have Money Therapy Institute and I want to go and I want to teach children on finances as I can be an independent contractor because my business, I already have my business entity. So I go and work for Jill. When I go and work for Jill, Jill is using my business information because I am a contractor. So basically what I do for Jill is my job because I'm a contractor. So I have to, at the end, there is actually, I'm a 1099. So I have to fill out a, a it's a W-9 form that you complete and that's for tax purposes. And, but I am a 1099, but I'm a contractor. So that means the income tax that is paid, transactions, any income tax, anything as an independent contractor, that means I'm responsible to pay my own taxes, Medicare and Social Security. So another scenario, when I started with my agency, A Second Touch, a Second Touch is a support coordination agency. It's a case management agency. It's another name for case management. When I first started, all my employees were independent contractors. Every last one of them had to complete a W-9. Every last one of them. Then I found out what I was doing. I should have been paying taxes on them. So I did recently switch them. I say all this to say is that those people that are still working for me, they were not able to pay Medicare and Social Security. And that's, I mean, that's a problem because you want to be able 
to pay Social Security because when you're able to file for Social Security at the age of, I believe, a 62, somewhere around there, when you're able to file for Social Security, you want to be able to get all of that for all those years. So if you're a 1099, you cannot, you're not paying into Medicare and you're not paying into Social Security. So that is something that is important as well. And that is something that I learned through trial and error as far as running my businesses, because if I would have known, I would have made everyone a W-2 instead of filling out a W-9. However, a lot of people or business owners do it to save on taxes. And that's what happened when I first came in. I'm being real transparent. That's what happened when I first came in to this business. I heard just W-9 and that's what was going on. But the right thing Two, if you have a business is, or if you are an independent contractor, you know, you want to make sure that you, you, you can do both, but you want to make sure that somewhere down the line, you are paying Medicare and social security because as an independent contractor, you control your own services. You control what will be done, how it will be done. This applies if you're given freedom of action, you're in control. This is your business. The difference is the employer has the legal right to control the details of how the services are performed. In my after-school program, Joy Making a Difference, I have a lot of contractors and they already have their business. I don't tell them what they're doing. I don't tell them what to do because they are their own person, their own business. Although they are signed with me with a contract, I can tell them how I want things to be performed, but I can't really tell them how to perform their job, okay? So even when I first started as a independent contractor in the after-school program, I had a self-esteem course that I taught to elementary and high schools. I already had my course set up, and so I will come in and teach them self-esteem. So although I had that set up, I still had to follow the rules of who I was working for, but they would they did not dictate my what I was teaching as long as it was in the realm of what we agreed to do, which was self-esteem. So I wanted to really just take some time on independent contractor because a lot of people get that confused and even myself as being a business owner, it was confused because we have a couple contractors that they have the W-9 and then we have some contractors or not contractors that are W-2. The contractors are W-9 are indeed contractors, meaning that they have their own entity, whatever that entity is, they show proof that that's their businesses in a different business name. They show their articles of incorporation. They show some type of proof to us. Then the other contractors that are contractors and not employees is they still have to get taxes out, but they're for the after-school program purposes, we call them contractors because they don't run, actually um, teach the students as far as a curriculum base under as being like a certified instructor. So I, I don't want to confuse you when it comes to an independent contractor because independent contractor, you offer the service and it is your business. That is what you do, but you do have to follow W-9, okay? Now, business owner. A business owner, you own a business system, which is characterized by having others work for you. Business owners have ownership in the business, but they may not be involved with the day-to-day operation of the company, such as myself. 
I have Joy Making a Difference. That's an after school program. We service elementary and high school. Although we're in COVID, <laughs> we were virtual. That is a business. That is a business system. A second touch is a support coordination, which is a case management. That is a business. A better me, a better me is a counseling agency. And that is actually having counselors that are have an LPC or a, a licensed social worker, LCSW. That is a business, meaning that those business they run. I do not do the day-to-day operation in those businesses. So when a business owner, I have ownership of the businesses, they are my businesses, but I do not, I'm not involved in a day-to-day operation. I am involved in administration of running the businesses. The day-to-day operation are people that I've put in place that are managers, people that I place to run the, the daily operation of the businesses. But me, myself, As the chief executive officer, I am a business owner. Now, I did not start off as a business owner. I start off as being self-employed, matriculating as a business owner because I was working as, as an adjunct as I was trying to get all the paperwork, everything that I need to get done. Again, that side hustle that was going on. As a business owner, I oversee the taxes, anything and everything to run a company I do as a business owner. So many businesses start off self-employed, consulting, freelancing. As the business grows and expands, they become small business owners such as myself. So I want you to be able to understand the difference of them so you can be able to say, oh, okay, I get this. All right. So I can start off as being self-employed, just, you know, just me running it a couple years, saving my money, do what I need to do, maybe hire a person. And then eventually as you hire people, You can get out of the daily operations. There's no need for you to actually be the one running the day-to-day activities in it. Entities to be cautious about. Sole proprietorship is one of those cautious entities and partnership because it does not protect you. It doesn't provide anything to protect you against your personal assets. You're doing business as yourself. There can be only one owner. And if you have multiple owners, you need a different entity. Okay, there's no registration with your state, which will hold you personally accountable for lawsuits. You may have a business certificate, but if you do not register your business with your state, your business is not registered. So that is why you want to definitely consult with an attorney and also with a CPA. So other risks are taxes. When you're self-employed, you must pay taxes yourself. You may be at a higher risk audit due to sole priorities report their business profits and losses on a Schedule C to the IRS, which means you report how much money you made or lost in your business. Now, another risk is death. When a sole prioritor dies, the business usually terminates as well, since the sole prioritorship is so closely tied to its owner. However, If the sole prioritor carefully plans his estate, his business can survive in some some form after his death, either in the hands of his heirs or a third-party purchaser. So that is a risk, and you want to make sure that if that is something that you're interested in, that again, you are seeking some type of counsel. Partnership. A partnership is formed when two or more people agree to share profits and losses. In a partnership, you are twice the personal liability for you and your partner, and both are liable for debt and obligations that occur. Another risk is 
your personal assets are at risk, your life savings, your house can be a loss through your partner's actions. So if you have a partner and something happened and you're not there legally, if something happened that your partner do and you're not there and you actually don't do it, you could be at risk. Your life savings could be at risk because you have a partnership. Again, that's something that you want to actually discuss. So these are just risks that I really want you to think about when you're forming an entity. One partner may put up assets for the business and the other agree to pay the partner back later or put half of the profit back into the business. So just dealing with a partnership, you want to just be clear and have everything in writing. Everything. They are the, the risk that is really important. When it comes to the risks associated with um, sole proprietorships and uh, partnerships. So insurance for small business owners and self-employed. Lawsuits can cost small businesses anywhere between $3,000 and $150,000, according to Small Business Administration. So you definitely want to make sure that you have some type of insurance. Insurance is a lot of money. I hear this all the time. I just heard this last week. I was speaking to someone and he was telling me that the reason why he didn't start his business is because he heard the insurance were extremely high. I said, you heard that? He said, he heard that. I said, did you look it up? No, I didn't think to look it up because, you know, this person worked in the same type of business that I want to work in. I said, but you didn't look it up yourself to find that out. And that's all that's holding you back. So insurance is not high. I I heard this. There's a misconception that people think having a business insurance because you do need business insurance for any business that you do because it protects you it protects you in the business but a lot of people just will not start the business because they assume that this insurance is thousands of dollars he said he was told it was four four thousand dollars or it it was something just astronomical and I said that is not true (laughs) that's not true at all I know that for a fact that is not true because I deal with different businesses and I help people form businesses and that's not true but what I need you to do is look it up yourself and people don't do that so you definitely need business insurance independent contractors should also obtain business insurance that's in your field so again if you are let's say you're a licensed clinician so I have licensed clinicians that work for me for better me and a better me is a counseling agency. And so they are a clinical licensed social worker. They have to have insurance. So for instance, because I own a better me, I have insurance for a better me. I am not the one that's actually doing the counseling. I am the one that is running the counseling agency. Okay. Because I'm running the agency and I'm running it and I have a, um, a clinical, a licensed clinician, I have to make sure that everyone is covered. However, the individuals that are clinicians that go out into the home, well, now this COVID, they're not going out in the home. They're actually doing it virtual. They'll have to have their own personal insurance. And we make sure that their insurance renews every year and they are liable. It's just important for any type of business that you have, that you have some type of insurance. Error of emissions is a good insurance to have as well. Small business insurance policy can cover unexpected situations to keep you and your business financially protected. That's the whole point of having 
insurance. So let me give you a side nugget. Each year, taxes must be filed. If you are self-employed and working, you will report your income as an employee. Once your business starts to grow and your side hustle business income has sustained the same amount as your job or higher with a steady, at a minimum nine months, you can quit. You are officially self-employed in the eyes of the IRS once you fill out that paperwork and do what you need to do. Self-employed individuals are responsible for filing a self-employed tax return and paying quarterly estimate taxes. They must also pay self-employment taxes, which is Social Security and Medicare taxes, usually withheld from employees' paychecks. Income taxes paid in addition to self-employed tax. You must report taxes whether you are an independent contractor or you generate a W-4. It is the law. Because I'm a business owner, I pay taxes twofold. I pay taxes for the separate businesses and I also pay personal tax. Each business that I have generate a different paycheck. That's what I mean from multiple streams of income. However, although I am the business owner, I am also an employee in my business because I generate a W-4. And so I get paid and taxes do come out as me, Stanel Myers, the employee. You want to make sure that you're basically understanding the difference between being self-employed and also being a business owner. So just to recap, when you're self-employed, you are actually working for yourself. You own a job. That is your job. That is your baby. That is your business. You're self-employed. You're doing your thing. I commend you 100%. And then as your job starts to create revenue and you're creating revenue and then you can probably hire one person and then you're creating revenue and then maybe you can hire another person and you're creating revenue turns into being a business owner because everything that you did as a self-employed individual that you started doing, you no longer, you already trained and taught those people, you're no longer doing it. So for instance, a second touch, I had to basically, I taught myself that business for a year. I taught myself how to be a support coordinator because I had to learn the functions of the job. And although it changes all the time, this is through the Division of Developmental Disabilities. And basically what we do is we help adults that are developmentally disabled once they're 21 to basically just go out and be able to have the same lifestyle as far as in the community, whether they're in group home, making sure that the budget that they have, that it is to their best interest. So making sure they're getting the lifestyle that they want. That's what my support coordinators do, make sure that they're getting the lifestyle that they want, whether it is going to a day program. Anything that they want to do as far as a blueprint of their life is coming out of a budget. I had to teach myself how to become a support coordinator in order to train. And when I trained, then I was able to train my manager, which is the best manager in the whole wide world. <laughs> Shout out to Maricela, the best manager in the whole wide world. So I, if I did not know the job, and again, as self-employed now, again, I wasn't paying myself. I could not afford to pay myself. I had to pay 
the one or two workers that I had, but I had to work alongside with them. And for a year, I did it because I had to learn what the job was in order to be able for other people to do it. In order for me to be able to really work along with Maricela, I had to be able to do the job myself. Being self-employed is the most rewarding thing, in my opinion, because it teaches you how to do the job. And then once you matriculate and then you can bring other people in, and now you don't have to do the daily operations. You can focus on other things in that job. And, you know, for instance, now we're six years into support coordination. Now we're forming, I'm forming other entities and I'm going to be doing other things other than just support coordination. There are going to be other extensions now that I'm going to be doing. So I'm going to be offering other services, same company, but now I'm going to be offering other services because we know what we're doing now. We've been doing it for six years. But now that you know the difference of self-employed and being a business owner, and you understand that difference so you can go out there and you can master the concept. I will see you next week. The next time we meet, I'm going to bring in my first guest, my husband, Tony. The topic is life skills, and we will discuss marriage and relationships. You don't want to miss this. Thank you for listening to No More Excuses, Wake Up. If you love the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Spotify. To learn more about me and my different agencies and what I do, go to StanelleMyersEnterprises.com. While you're there, check out Money Therapy Institute and watch my video where you will see me doing a little acting, showing you how I fought and kicked down closed doors. You can also click on Stanella Money Therapist and get my free budget spreadsheet. And of course, you can email me at contact at StanellaMoneyTherapist.com. I'm also on social media on Facebook at Stanella Money Therapist and Instagram at Stanell the Money Therapist. No more excuses. Y'all know what y'all need to do. Wake up.